welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty and I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher, tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. What's up, man? So I'm sitting here looking at your uh, water jug and it says, remember only you can prevent wildfires mm-hmm. but i thought we were supposed to set fires yeah intentional fires not not out of control wildfires <laughs> and responsibly just don't leave your, your fire burning so strategic fires strategic fires okay so it's okay if we catch someone's hair on fire uh from a sermon oh yeah as long as it was intentional and thoughtful <laughs> yeah absolutely okay uh-huh. all right yes yeah. we'll make sure we weren't going soft no, I'm not. I'm not that kind of smoky. Okay. Bear. I mean, I know your wife bought that for you, but yeah, I like. Well, I like bears. <laughs> I look like one. <laughs> Something to make sure you weren't. And I like green. Getting too much soft influence. All right. No, they smoke a different kind of smoky. What? Those, uh, those people would do a different kind of smoky. <laughs> the bear. I'm talking about weed. <laughs> I thought okay. so. I thought so. Just make sure you're with me. Uh, uh, speaking of weed and munchies, welcome to Cold Pizza, guys. We're glad that you could join us uh, for this New Year's thing. And if you listen with your children, I apologize for that. Um, I just got to say, it, that's the W word. The W word. The marijuana. <laughs> the M word. Or the S word. Oh, yeah. You did have to talk about that yesterday. I forgot about that. That was fun. That was well done. <laughs> You can be explicit, though. That'll be fun. Oh, I I had absolutely zero problem with saying sex in that context. Well, there's that Wilson quote, I think, from Reforming Marriage. It talks about the importance of children knowing that there is a romantic relationship at the center of that the household. Center of the marriage, yeah. Yeah, I had no problem. I said I used the phrase S word <laughs> just for funsies. It is fun. That's fun. All right. Uh, yeah, so this week's sermon is titled Which Way? From Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, wrapping up that first chapter. Um, and it was kind of a, a touch on, on Advent and Christmas again, which I think was fun. Yeah, this would have made a great Christmas sermon. Yeah, it would have. If only, I mean, for us. If only we had a vision preacher. <laughs> Could have saw that coming. It's okay. Uh, I like extending it the season. It was nice. It, was, uh, it fits really well. And we have another component of that this coming Sunday. But I think the angle that you took on it particularly was really helpful and driving home the different perspective and avenue of Emmanuel, God with us. So I was really trying to press a lot of the Emmanuel aspect last month and the sermons that we did. And in this, though, we we did use like the Luke and the Mark perspectives. And so when you have this one that's much more centered on Joseph, I think it was, it was really helpful to help expand that picture and show a different angle to the the with usness of the king is with us. Yeah, you know, as is true with a lot of New Testament writers, but I think particularly um, special in Matthew's gospel is a lot of um, more than just what's right at the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the 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 use of the generations of Christ. And then here we get, man, he's, he's really pushing on um, the Isaiah passage. And, I mean, there's too many uh, parallels or coincidences that, 
uh, for it to just be coincidental, rather, uh, between the two. And this next week, uh, at the end, I'm sorry, the beginning of chapter two, there's there's a lot of uh, showing us how various people are responding mm-hmm. to the uh, the now birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. So how do the Magi respond and um, how do you know, how does King Herod respond and how does all of Jerusalem respond and how do the Pharisees and the, and the scribes and the high priests respond mm-hmm. um, and he's he's painting these these pictures for us so I was, I was doing a little study on this coming passage today for music stuff and one of them was talking about if Herod was really that concerned about this king and it was that unsettled you think he could have taken the short little walk over to Bethlehem but he couldn't be bothered <laughs> said they said it was in Bethlehem like that's where ah it's you know a little too far for me well yeah yeah I think one of the well I we shouldn't go there because I'm gonna preach on it this Sunday so um yeah yeah so I think one of the things that uh, maybe I could add to this past sermon I was thinking you know God as judge and so how does that relate to us who are Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you got to think of judge in maybe a couple different layers here. It's easy for us to just think final judgment and God as judge in that moment. But the other layer would be thinking of God as, as judge uh, with my own life mm-hmm. at this moment. Because um, how else does God look at our situation and declare they should be called to repentance for this. Yeah. So there is a judging act there that we experience this side of final judgment that if we heed the judgment and subsequent call to repentance, then we will be shown at the end to have been redeemed God with us as redeemer that when that judgment comes, we're not judged like the pagan is, right? Yeah, we then have, will have been judged on the back of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, but God judges that maybe think lowercase g and uppercase g. I'm sorry, j rather. Okay, <laughs> sorry, uh, uppercase j and lowercase j. God, lowercase j. It's not a, a jiff. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, in the meantime, um, but but he does that even now as a loving father mm-hmm. and not as just a righteous, holy judge. I mean, he does judge us as a just and righteous, holy judge, but also as our uh, father and redeemer as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, I would say there's there is a judging act that's happening now that is for our good that leads us to repentance and or marks us as needing to repent um, for something I did this morning or yesterday or a habit that I've formed that's ungodly um, so that I would walk in holiness, right? So that I would not become, that I would not ultimately be among those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. right? So I would, I would throw, throw that out there. I thought that that's, that's helpful. The whole picture of him being both just and merciful needs to be played out more in our in our understanding of God. Uh, we we talk about him being just and the justifier 
uh, being both just and merciful in that whole enigma of the cross all the time, uh, but helping us see in our daily life how we uh, still need the judgment of God, uh, even as a believer, mm-hmm. right, is, is an important component for us to see in daily life. Yeah. That, that is in application and steps away from your, your conversion. That's right. That's right. Um, the second thing that uh, that I thought would be helpful for us to go through would would be you know there's a, a question came in regarding kind of my walking through very quickly those kind of three categories of people at the end and you had the one category which is which is really just meant to describe those who are lost so those who have not chosen to place faith in Christ God with us as Redeemer. And then the third and final category was those who truly have done that, that um, that just struggled to believe that he will never let the waters overtake me, right? Mm-hmm. That, that he has paid the price, he has saved me from my sins. Or what are my sins? Well, my sins are represented in the picture as the water that's coming up to my neck. I mean, that's, that's the metaphor with Ahaz. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The middle category, though, that I gave is kind of representative of those, of all of us, on a daily basis, are going to have waters that are coming up to our ankles because we've chosen sin. Now, uh, let, me, let me back up. To, to make a distinction here, I'm not talking about uh, circumstances that just feel like you are in high waters mm-hmm. because, you know... Um, you have an illness that struck your family, and now it's just life is tough. I mean, certainly God uses those moments to discipline us so that he can purify our love and faith in him, certainly. Um, but that's different than I did a sin that has led to high waters, okay? Yeah. So you cannot take the metaphor that I'm using. Um, matter of fact, the metaphor that, let me back up, the metaphor that God uses in Isaiah to talk about just unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. That would be taking the metaphor in the way the scriptures use it and and not using it in the in the appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Okay, the appropriate way to use that metaphor, that uh, at least the appropriate. I'm sorry, the the way that God uses that metaphor. So the appropriate way for us to talk about it is choosing our own way versus God's way, aka sin, mm-hmm. and that sin coming back for payment later. Mm-hmm. Namely, the waters going up above the neck and overtaking, like leaving... Wages of sin is... Death. That's right. So that's the only way I'm talking about this. I'm not talking about that other example, although that's true and a reality, too. That's just not what we're talking that's about here. That's not this picture. Yeah, that's right. You can use that metaphor if you want. Just don't use that metaphor and talk <laughs> about Isaiah 7 yeah. and 8 at the same time. Or uh, Matthew, the end of Matthew chapter 1. So with that out of the way, what we're talking about here is I've sinned. Now the, my, the, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, these things that I want to do that are not God's way, that those, those things have now swelled to the point where the water is coming up over the banks and is now coming up to my ankles and coming up to my waist and now come up to my neck. So the, the question there is, what happens like, to that person? Mm-hmm. 
And I could have hearkened back to this, so I, I will now, but I would encourage you, what I had in mind at that moment was Hebrews and can I lose my salvation? Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just flesh that out for a moment here. There, I use the metaphor, of, I think uh, <clears throat> Spurgeon maybe, I know Tom Schroeder used the metaphor of, uh, from the scriptures or the example from the scriptures of could God break his bone? Could God, could Jesus's bones be broken? Um, well, the, the answer, well, it, because the prophecy said that no bone in his body would be broken. So the issue is, well, did he have like titanium bones? I mean, was he, uh, was he Logan? Um, like could, could he, or would it just heal so fast? That it was as if it didn't break. I mean, what was, mm-hmm. what, what was the deal? Well, we'll know his he had bones just like you and I. Mm-hmm. The, the scriptures give us no reason to believe that he had bones any different mm-hmm. than you and I. Um, but the question is, is, so could they be broken? Yes. Would they be broken? No. Because God's sovereign decree always happens. Mm-hmm. Period. So that, and I say all of that to, to make this point right here. The warning that you could lose your salvation is a legitimate warning. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying here is the water's rising and coming up to your neck. If you do not heed that warning to repent, the waters will overtake you and you will only know God as judge. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, uppercase J. Which is what you deserve because all of that water was you trying to earn your own self-righteousness. Ultimately, absolutely. Absolutely, which is the picture that Ahaz is doing. Mm-hmm. Ahaz is trying to earn his own salvation, yep. which is which is that's that's the value of knowing the Old Testament because in the Old Testament we get illustrations after illustrations of what is talked about in the more abstract of the New Testament. So it, Paul, Paul says, is for you for now. Yeah. So in the, in the New Testament, you, you you hear a lot if you if you worship uh, this lust of the flesh. Then you, you know, you become a, a fornicator when well, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, mm-hmm. well, that is di- on display in the Old Testament, yeah. right? Um, David was an adulterer. Well, adulterers don't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, but, but what did David do? David repented mm-hmm. and repented before God. And, and thus David was saved mm-hmm. and a man of faith. Um, so the same thing with Ahaz. You have the his lust of the flesh swelling over and about to overtake him. So the warning for us is if you don't repent, all you will know God as is judge, even though you had knowledge of his salvation. Mm. You did not believe. See, Ahaz had knowledge of God's salvation. He even told him he would make a sign, and he did. But he did not do anything with the knowledge of his salvation. Mm. And he turns... To his own salvific works. Yeah, that's going to dovetail really well with the Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, well. So, uh, yeah, with this, uh, Herod knew of the Christ child's salvation. I, that, it, it notice that notice that the, mag, the Magi come and say, where's the king of the Jews? And notice that Herod doesn't mention him as king of the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. He calls him the Christ. Yeah. So uh, Herod knows what's going on. Um, and what does he do with the knowledge of it? What does, what does um, scribes and Pharisees the scribes and Pharisees and the high priests do with the knowledge mm-hmm. of it? They, they do nothing. Yep. They sit back. So, hmm. 
Well, all that to say the middle category there is is like if you don't repent when the gracious pressure of the overflowing river comes up to your neck, mm-hmm. then you will find yourself one day ha- the Lord saying to you, depart from me for I never knew you. But if you heed those warnings now and walk back in repentance, then you will know God as Redeemer. Mm-hmm. And then I landed that plane. This last thing I'll say. I landed that plane in the third category that if you are truly redeemed, then God will never let those waters overtake you. But how does he, what is one of the ways he keeps those waters from overtaking you? Maybe by the fear of the waters overtaking you. Yeah, some of That's you one of the ways. Way too comfortable swimming. Yeah, that's right. No, that's a that's a good metaphor, yes. Some of you are way too comfortable swimming. Yep. Waters have been up to your neck for a long time. Yeah. Uh, when my kids realize that in the pool, when they repent, they turn around and head back to the shallow side. So. Well, maybe not all of your kids. Well, they're all with us. <laughs> so. Well, I'm thinking of one particular child that did not do that initially. No. Oh yeah, my. But her her savior father came in and rescued her before she floated to the bottom of the pool floor. No, just got there for me, but mine was more oh. epic because I went across the water like an orca. I thought you were the one that saved her. I didn't get to her first, Justin. Oh, I know it's less epic. Man, yeah, but I noticed, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was pretty majestic. Me flying across the, the water. So you went in there too? Do what? Do you went in too? Oh, yeah. We both went flying for... Oh, she, she got just... up and ran around the side, but she broke a rule. You're not supposed to run around the, the pool. <laughs> so that's what they said about the dude in Indiana who took his gun into the mall and stopped the active shooter. And everyone's like, he wasn't supposed to have a gun in the mall. Like, Neither was the bad guy. He's dead. <laughs> so... All right, anyways. Uh, that's a great example about sounding pious while you're over here making a deal with the devil. Yeah, and people in business are making dumb decisions. <laughs> we Yes, we're in the business of helping people make lots of decisions. I don't know if people realize that or not, but uh, every sermon is about helping you make good decisions. Uh, my whole office and, and orchestration of my quote-unquote work week yeah. And your work week is about helping people make decisions. It is. And so I guess I just wanted to vent for a moment and just say, and yet I still see lots of people make dumb decisions. Well, don't do stupid things, please. Um. <laughs> well, it's one of those, like, if you could just see what maybe someone wiser can see, or if you could just see or just maybe understand that you don't see everything. Mm-hmm. And that God has equipped and called and placed people to be in your life. Yeah. Right? Like like today, I'm an older uh, pastor friend of mine was asking me for counsel on how to deal with this uh, eldership issue inside of their church. Mm. And it was really honoring, like, I feel really honored that he would ask me, um, you know, whether or not I gave him anything that was of any value is a different question, but... Uh, at least I tried. And be, but why would he do that? Well, because he knows that maybe God has put other people in his place, in his, not in his place, but in his sphere, 
to guide him and to give counsel. And that's, um, uh, it's just, that's a gift it is. to yeah. us. Um, uh, which brings me to kind of one of the points that I have for your sermon yesterday was really stressing the with us-ness. So like I said, we really tried to drive home Emmanuel last, last month, but like putting it into practice is everything that you were talking about yesterday. Mm. Um, what does it mean to, to be truly trusting uh, the, the one who's going to bring the deliverance rather than come up with your own stuff? Well, hey, before we jump into that too far, I got a good segue, but it's an example that also ties into this coming Sunday. Yeah, do it. Um, how do you think Joseph and Mary, with Herod pursuing the killing of their child, how do you think they survived in Egypt? He was a carpenter, mm-hmm. right? He was a carpenter. I going to Egypt. I don't know if you know anything about Egypt, but they make lots of things out of stones. It's very heavily forested, right? Okay. Uh-huh. Sure. Nope. <laughs> there aren't any. Lots lots of stones. Lots of sand. And I don't know if people know this or not, but carpentry uh, has to do with wood. Okay? Yes. All right. Okay. Laws we're tracking here. Um, how do you think they survived there? Well, they survived there off the gifts of the wise men. Mm-hmm. So the question is, well, how do they survive there off after the gifts, gifts of the wise men? There was only three of them, right? No. Imagine Jerusalem at this time. The census is going on. Mm-hmm. And Jerusalem is this place where people return to all the time for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Jews, particularly. So this is happening at this time, and three wise men come into Jerusalem, and somehow that gets the attention of Herod? There's no way it was three wise men. It would have been dozens and dozens of wise men, along with their servants and their military personnel. Mm -hmm. It would have been an incredible entourage Mm -hmm. of people coming into Jerusalem, going to see the... The Christ child. So not only is the nativity scenes wrong because there's wise men there when Jesus is just a baby, he would have been two years old. Why do you think Herod would have said two years and younger? Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention the months it would have taken them to get from there to Bethlehem and so on and so forth. Um, But there would have been many, 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 many wise men that visited Jesus. Mm. Now, what we are told is that there were only three different kinds of gifts given. Mm-hmm. One bottle of myrrh would have been like the equivalent of like $10,000 in today's terms. So we're told that they gave three different kinds of gifts, mm-hmm. but we're not, told what, we're not told how many of each kind of gift they got. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- they could have 10 bottles of myrrh. Yeah. But here's my point, is that the Lord knew... That the Heavenly Father knew what was ahead mm-hmm. for Mary and Joseph. And so months and months and months ahead of time, what does he do? He plans the coming of the Magi to give gifts that would sustain them for much time to come. Crazy, like one wise man named Joseph preparing in advance for his family to come. That's right. Mm. 
So from there, now tie into the withness that you were getting ready to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like he is with us. Yeah. So go from there. Yeah, my biggest understanding of the problem of the nativity was that Jesus was white. But thanks for blowing up the rest of it. <laughs> I don't think I have a time to go into this on Sunday, but the star thing, like it kind of floated through the sky and then landed on top of the nativity set. Um, it's probably not what Matthew means either. Yeah, I read a, a couple different takes on that today, too. <laughs> There's some other uh, secular songs I want to play for that. That would be fun. Uh, yeah, so my thing with this, with this, with us in this aspect, then, is uh, what are we going to do in the regular faithfulness? And, and I think even the, the preparing uh, aspect for Jesus' family is the regular living aspect for uh, a Joseph who obeyed in what the Lord commanded the first time, right? And then obeys what the Lord commanded again when he gets up and goes, right? Yeah. Like this is a pattern of this man's life. It's a regular obedience to the word of the Lord. And so I wonder with people who are struggling with that middle category, like what are they expecting? Are they expecting a star to follow them and float over every good thing that they're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading Valley of Vision uh, New Year Prayer for uh, for my retreat last week. And at the top of it, it's talking about this. Um, He says, give me a grace that precedes, follows, guides, sustains, sanctifies, aids every hour. So this is a grace that goes before me, that comes after me, that's in front of me guiding, that's holding me, sustaining, that's sanctifying me, purifying me, and that's helping me, aiding me every hour. That's that's the business that grace is in and is around you, yeah. uh, and, and that's what you should be expecting and looking for. Why that I may not be one moment apart from thee. That's what it looks like to be in relationship with God. And He says then to what is this going to be for? Right, that I may rely on Thy Spirit to supply every thought, speak in every word, direct every step, prosper every work. Build up every mote of faith. Give me a desire to show forth thy praise, to worship, and to testify thy love and advance thy kingdom. Hmm. So here's here's the problem that I'm I'm seeing, and we talked about it a little bit in our biblical theology class, is that we think that we have our our timeline of reality. This is my life, right? And we add Christianity into it. We first added it in when we got saved, and then from then on. We continue to try to make it more Christian and bring up more Christians. So when we look at our timeline, it increasingly looks more and more Christian. But that's not what happens. Reality is God is king, right? And this is his kingdom, and we are in it, and we are brought to life inside of it. And so nothing is, there's no timeline has shifted. You didn't add anything to it. You recognized the lordship of Jesus as king. And so now your life looks more like that in service to the king. Mm-hmm. So the danger, I think, is is that if you f- actually have a Sabbath and you spend the whole day freaking out whether or not you're Sabbathing enough, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> That's okay. not what it means. It's not about adding, making sure that you listen to enough K-Love that day to make sure that you got your quota uh, of Christian songs. It's not about making sure that you read enough chapters or verses or did enough Bible study. It's not about making sure that you had dinner with enough folks or all of these good things that are supposed to be, and our graces to you, maybe on Caleb, um, these things that are supposed to be helpful, uh, that's not what we're after. The question is, what are you going to do today 
for the kingdom, that you might mm-hmm. advance the kingdom, that you might spend time with the Lord by recognizing he's with us. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if I could add uh, a point in there and tell me if I'm not tracking with you. But all the things you listed that we would likely find ourselves concerned with on a Sabbath, for example, uh, and missing the point, all the things you listed were man-made rules and expectations. Yeah. I should read this many verses. I should only lift my finger in these ways. I should, you know. And you're only going to um, feel close to the Lord if there's some kind of supernatural something. Yep. Versus Sabbathing in the ways that God has commanded for us to do. Mm-hmm. Cl- clearly. So things like um, not working for our provision. Mm-hmm meaning our sustenance, unless our ox is in the ditch. Mm-hmm. So you know, meaning unless there's an emergency, mm-hmm. um, that would be an expectation for us. Um, so, okay, I just wanted to like throw out that clarification that you were, we're not, because I think what happens is we get so caught up on these man-made rules that we neglect the weightier things of the law. Yeah. Right? Yep. Which is, which the Pharisees were chief and so are we often. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I say all the time, if we can just figure out what God actually calls sin mm-hmm. and what he actually doesn't, then we could stop being distracted with the things that we think are sin so we can actually get on with the things that are. 100%. Because uh, I see this kind of thing, particularly uh, in this way more in women, uh, feeling guilty about all the things that they're uh, I think are expected of them or they should do. And it's not that they aren't good things or that those things aren't necessary, but like how many times are you supposed to be hospitable this month? There's no number. That's You're right. supposed to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more wrapped up about how many times you're going to have people over to your house, which is good and right. It needs to happen. And pastor Jeff, you know, talks about that in hospitality class that you don't talk to the person who shows up on Sunday. That's what hospitality is. That's where that's it meets right, the road. Right. You know, you'd be a hospitable person. Yeah. So that's, I, I so I see that expectation aspect often in women. Um, for some reason, it shows that. Well, that's more. a great example of being pious, like Ahaz over mm-hmm. here, inviting one or two people over to your house, and checking the box of oh, I was pious. Mm-hmm. I did my my piety thing, while missing the point over here where you're just making it all about you or you're, you don't buy not talking to them on Sunday or, mm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just be looking out for that. Cause I mean, the, the goal in like a prayer like this from Valley vision is saying like, he's with me and I'm with him. Mm-hmm. That's the covenant family. That That's the covenant allegiance that's there. That's mm-hmm. allows me to even to, and the covenant, like with my wife, to I'm in covenant with my I'm with my wife now, and she's not in the room, yeah, because I abide in her, right, and we can abide in the Lord, and so in that same same way, that's the nature of everything that you're talking about yesterday, right? Yeah. So when it comes into repentance, that's still wrapped up inside that covenant love, and so yeah, category three, you will see it through because He will see it through for you. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, thanks for that. That was fun. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Uh, good. Yeah. So we're looking forward. You can already hear we're looking forward to this this coming week with uh, with Herod and more fun stuff. 
Um, again, if you guys have questions, send them in so we can tackle them like we did today. It's, it's really helpful for us to have a good idea of where you're, uh, where you're at, what questions you have, and how you're receiving this. Uh, but with that, I want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We'll see you next time. Thank you.